You are listening to the Veterinary Life Coach Podcast with Dr. Julie Capel, episode number eight. Hi, everybody. Thank you so much for joining me again today on the podcast. I'm so excited that you're listening to me and I'm getting some feedback from you letting me know that some of the things that I'm saying are useful. And I hope that as I go forward, I get better at presenting this material to you. I have been researching a lot of really interesting subjects that I think we can all benefit from. And hopefully it's something that you enjoy listening to and also feel that it can apply to your life and making your personal life and professional life better, as that is my purpose here and that it's what I'm trying to accomplish. I've been putting a lot of work into this podcast, and I've also received a lot of help from my family, my son, my daughter, and my sister getting these podcasts ready for you. Um, Specifically, my adult children have been helping me. My son is the one that wrote the music, the little intro music. So if you like that, that is a song that he wrote called Meniscus. And the original recording you can find on iTunes or Spotify or Bandcamp. Um, The name of the song is Meniscus and the recording that it is um, out there on is the album that Bear Trap, it's the name of the group, put out a few weeks back. So if you're looking for some good music to listen to, um, you'll find Meniscus there. So I thank my son, Tristan Capel, for that awesome intro music. My daughter has also helped me with artwork and getting the logos up for the podcast and things like that. So I just really want to thank her too. And then my sister, Jill, has her own podcast. It's called True Crime Brewery. And she's been a lot of help um, helping me get the the logistics figured out for getting this podcast up and online. So I just really want to thank her. So if you're interested in beer, her husband, Dick, does a beer review every week on their podcast, and then they discuss a crime. And it's really interesting and fun to listen to Jill and Dick on True Crime Brewery. So thanks to Jill. Thanks to my son, Tristan, for writing the music. And thanks to my daughter for helping me with with my artwork and photography. I wouldn't have been able to get this thing off the ground without them. I really appreciate it. If you're listening to this for the first time or maybe for the second or third time, um, one of my episodes, I would really appreciate if you like what you hear that you leave me a five-star review on iTunes. That'll really help get this out there for more veterinarians and veterinary professionals to hear. So if you could go there and leave me a review. And also if you have any comments, questions, um, suggestions for topics, things like that, send me an email. Um, You can go to my website, it's juliecapel.com, or send me an email, write me a a little comment. Um, And I also, on my website, have a sign up for a weekly words of inspiration that I've started doing that I will send you a little email once a week on Wednesday, very short, um, just kind of mini topics. Um, But if you want to participate in that, 
go to my website and sign um, up with your email. There's nothing to buy and um, no obligation. And I promise I will not sell your email. Um, I'm just using it because I want to help us all have um, a better life. So that would be super amazing if you would contact me in one of those ways. I'd really appreciate the feedback. So today I want to discuss the subject of failure. I'm calling this episode, How to Become an Epic Failure, which sounds kind of weird, but I know. But um, why would we want to become a failure? Why, why am I titling it How to Become an Epic Failure? Um, but we are taught as children that we shouldn't fail, that we want to be successful. That seems to be what we're fed all our lives And I've done it to my kids. You know, we want to be successes. We want to work towards success. But the truth is, there is no success without failure. And so we need to fail. Why not fail? Um, Failure is a great way to learn. Failure is a great life lesson. So becoming an epic failure sounds even more scary, but I just think it's important because all of us have had those things in our lives that happened to us that felt pretty epic and we thought we'd never recover from it. So I really want to, you know, run through that today and discuss it in depth. And if we don't get it all hashed out in this first podcast, we can always talk about it again because I think it's a super important thing to think about. I think that if we were to face those things that we consider failures and put them out there into the world and acknowledge that we've all been there, that everybody would feel a little bit more comfortable with their failures. Because most people that are huge successes out there in the world have had their more than their fair share of failures. Most people that don't give up are the ones that become huge successes. And so in order to become a huge success, you have to be able to accept all those little failures and be willing to fail. So what exactly is failure? I looked up the definition of failure and just plain failure, and there was two definitions. One said failure is a lack of success, which, you know, the opposite of success. That makes sense. The other definition that I found said failure is the omission omission of expected or required action. So that's pretty interesting, right? Omission of action. So it kind of, those kind of words sound like quitting to me, which makes me kind of sad because if you're lacking action, you're not going anywhere. And we all know that without action, we are not going to go anywhere. We're going to be sitting around on our couch, you know, eating, eating bad snacks and not getting anywhere in our life. So that, that to me is certain failure. The omission of expected or required action. Those definitions sound somewhat benign, but it, it, shows us that we need to take action in order to succeed. Failure doesn't just happen. Failure takes action. So we have to do something to fail, which is 
pretty interesting, right? Because if we're not out there doing anything, we're likely not to fail. But is that really success, sitting around not doing anything? I don't think so. Many of us are afraid of failure. And so not taking action, not doing anything, just because we're afraid. And if we give ourselves really, really low expectations to avoid the pain of failing, then we're just really not getting anywhere. And that's not good. I mean, that's really not what we want in our lives. We want our lives to be full of action and success. And if we're taking a lot of action, then at some point we're going to fail. So the real truth of success is gained through failure and the willingness to fail. If you look at somebody that's super successful that you admire, those are the people that try and try and fail and try again until they get the result they want. That is one of the reasons why I wanted to call this podcast Becoming an Epic Failure, because we as thinking human beings can decide that we're going to continue to work no matter how bad we fail, and we're going to use that epic failure as a lesson, as a stepping stone into our future success. So I looked up the definition of epic failure because I thought that was even a more interesting term. And of course, it's not in the real dictionary, so I had to find it in the urban dictionary, which is kind of silly, but there is an urban dictionary. And what the urban dictionary listed as epic fail is a mistake of such monumental proportions that it requires its own term in order to successfully point out the unfathomable shortcomings of the individual or group. It's a little bit hard to say unfathomable, but really think of that definition. It's unfathomable shortcomings. Wow, that's really intense. So epic failure is something that it's going to be a little hard for us to embrace because who wants to have unfathomable shortcomings? But I think that if we're willing to experience that, that we're going to be so much more successful when we try all these things that we're basically afraid of. So why is it that failure feels so bad? Why do we make it mean something bad? Why do our parents want us to be successful and not have any failure? We have control over how we see those failures mentally. We can decide that having a small failure or even a big epic failure is okay. And we can look at it in a way that makes it not so scary or not make it feel so bad. Why does it feel bad? I, I don't think that we have to look at it that way. And so I think a lot of it is in the way we think about it, changing our thoughts about those failures. So if we consider that every epic failure could bring epic success or an epic lesson, and if we can examine it, it'll teach us a lesson. So it's kind of confusing, I know, but I thought that I would use um, an example from my own life of something that to me was an, was definitely an epic failure. It was unfathomable. Um, so I'm going to tell you the, this story and then we'll, you know, plow through 
um, dissecting it down and seeing how it really turned out to be something good in my life. So the story goes, um, I was a just brand new veterinarian, a baby vet, as I call it, just out of vet school. And I applied and, and got a job at a four-doctor practice, not too far from where I was living at the time. And I was hired in as the only woman veterinarian with four other male veterinarians. And the one um, older gentleman was getting ready to retire. So there was the four men and then myself. And I was hired into this practice. Now, one of the owners, it was a two-owner practice, one of the two owners was, um, I would call him a staunch male chauvinist. Um, He was basically a nice guy but he definitely had male chauvinistic tendencies. He was a little bit of um, a sexist, as they would say. Um, He wasn't mean. He wasn't um, a womanizer, didn't, you know, do anything to me personally, but he just really didn't think women, women were as capable as men. And he wasn't afraid to say it. But for some reason, he hired me anyway, And we had this rather tumultuous up and down relationship. Mostly, I mean, he was my boss, obviously. So it was a boss, you know, subordinate kind of relationship. I was, I was his employee. Um, And he was basically a good veterinarian. So I did learn quite a bit of, quite a few things from him as a young veterinarian and how to practice medicine. But along the way, I began to notice that um, he had a lack, what I perceived as a lack of moral character. Um, And I'm not going to go into specifics of the things that he would do, but just things that I didn't feel were morally right um, in the practice of veterinary medicine. Um, Financially, um, with pets, um, I don't know. I just didn't agree with his morals. And because I wasn't I was young and I wasn't very versed in the ways that that the world worked. I basically thought that if I was just logical and talked to him a lot, that I could talk him into um, doing things better and doing things my way. So I was kind of young and stupid. And um, instead of, you know, changing and leaving the practice and finding a new job where veterinarians were, you know, practicing the way I thought they should practice, I kept working there. And the longer I was there, the more these things started to bother me. So I began to challenge this particular owner um, verbally, basically saying, you know, I think that this shouldn't be this way and I think you shouldn't be doing these things and um, basically pushed him, you know. And because he wasn't super fond of women and also, rightfully so, wasn't super fond of being told how he should run his business. He, at some point after I was there um, three years, decided that I was to go. And basically, out of the blue, it, it seemed to me, but I'm sure I just got on his nerves after a while, um, he fired me, called me into his office one day and said, you know what, you're out of here. You've been challenging me too much and I'm over it. So being fired from a job that I basically had been dreaming about my whole life. I always wanted to be a vet from the time I could remember. 
I struggled my way through vet school. I got my degree, got this job, super excited. And then I got fired. It felt like somebody died. And as a three years out of school veterinarian, that's exactly, I went through grief. I grieved that job terribly. I went through all the stages of grief, denial, anger, depression, and it took me a while. You know, I had to pull myself up and get back to work because, you know, getting fired financially isn't any fun, especially when you have student loans out there. But, you know, it was a big blow to my ego. And um, I don't feel like I was super confident, but apparently I was because I really pushed this guy to the point where he decided that I was no longer valuable. So once I got through all the stages of grief and decided that I had to move on because it happened and I had to accept it, I it took me a while, but I got to the point where I decided to start looking for a lesson. And, you know, why did this happen to me? You know, I was I was a good employee. I got there on time. I did my job. I was a what I thought a decent veterinarian. I cared probably too much. I did emergencies. I drove down there in the middle of the night. Back in that back in the day, that's what you had to do. And I really did a good job, I thought. But I got fired because I pushed this guy, um, you know, wanting him to change. And he didn't want to change. And he didn't have to because it was his practice. So when I started looking for the lessons, I I really had to accept the fact that I was in the wrong. I should have just politely looked for another job and said thank you very much and left and gone to a practice that was practicing medicine more in align with the way I wanted to practice. But so that was a lesson I learned and I was able to carry that forward into my next job, um, which when I went looking for a job, I looked for a place and that was one of the things I specifically looked for was a practice that had the same moral character as I did and also the same philosophy and maybe wasn't um, quite so um, upset with women. Um, so I found I found a couple of awesome veterinarians to work for um, in another four-doctor practice where I was, again, the only woman, but had a completely different experience there. And at some point, I ended up buying that practice, learning a lot about leadership, learning a lot about growth and how to grow a practice and how to be a good boss of a veterinary practice. And I also learned a lot about firing people and how it feels to be fired and being on the other end of that. So later on, as a leader and as an owner of a veterinary practice, learning that whole experience of firing was super valuable to me because if I ever did have to fire somebody, I really worked hard not to make that happen and give that person every opportunity to improve before I had to let them go. So it was a it was a great lesson. And had I not had that epic failure of being fired from my first job, I would have never ended up where I was. It was probably the most significant event in my life, in my professional life, and it was a huge significant lesson. And um, just as an aside, I saw this particular veterinarian quite a few years later, well after I was gone from the practice and I had bought my um, practice that 
I work at now, I saw him at a, an event and I basically went up to him and he he kind of tried to avoid me because I think he thought I might yell at him. But I actually talked to him and I thanked him for firing me. I told him, you, had, you did me a huge favor. You taught me a huge lesson by firing me. And it ended up being a significant, great event in my life. So that's my example of how failure can turn into success and how even big, epic, horrible, grief-stricken failures like I went through can help you. So why should we all strive to fail? And not in this big, epic way like I did. Absolutely, you don't want to strive to get fired. That's not something that you should be looking to do. I hope that it never happens to any of you. It's not a fun experience. But for me, it was an excellent life lesson. And I understand in veterinary medicine, we don't we want to do anything but fail. We don't want to fail in a diagnosis. We don't want to make a mistake with our patients. Um, it does happen. It invariably will. Um, but what I want us to do is if it does happen, I don't want you to sit in that space of beating yourself up and going over and over and over again of what you could have, should have, would have done. I want you to accept it, sit in it, and look for the lesson that's to come out of it. Because if you get good lessons out of any small or big failure, then it was definitely worth having. I want you to take those little mistakes and learn what things work for you. And those little failures, realize that those little failures are okay. And don't, don't beat yourself up. You can't berate yourself for making errors and still find the lessons that those errors have for you. Making epic mistakes doesn't serve us well in our job day to day, but it can happen. So you have to be confident in the things that you do know. And sometimes you have to take little risks. Now, if, if you make a failure, and, and what I mean by failure is, let's, let's go back to mistakes. If you have a mistake, you have to realize that they're not all created equal. Mistakes are sometimes small and easy to get over. And then some mistakes are harder to deal with. If a client's angry at you, sometimes that's a really hard thing to get over and let go of. And But if you can revise the way you're looking at it and adjust the way you think about it, a lot of times you can find those lessons. If you are a leader in a veterinary hospital, it would behoove you to create a culture where mistakes and failures are okay. If you beat your employees up every time they make a small error, if you berate them, if you call them stupid or act like they're stupid, your team is going to shrivel and die because they're going to be so terrified of making even the smallest decision without your say-so and making a small error that they are going to wither on the vine and you're not going to have strong, empowered employees. So I would like to encourage you to create a culture in your practice where there's no blaming. We want to counteract the blame game. 
We want people to be comfortable and make them comfortable with taking responsibility, even if something doesn't work out. Make them or give them the freedom to make a mistake and then come to you and tell you about it. And then you can say, all right, that probably isn't the way that it should have gone. But now that it has gone that way, let's figure out a way to make this better. And then let's figure out a way to learn and change the environment and change the processes that we have in order to keep this from happening again. If you can admit your failures in front of your team and accept them and apologize for them, that will go a long way in winning over your team to, number one, not being afraid of making decisions in your practice so they don't have to worry about you berating them in front of or behind closed doors, but also it will create respect for you because people will respect somebody then can, that can admit when they're wrong or when they've made a mistake. That will bring your team to a place where they can look at you as someone that they can admire, as someone that they are not going to be afraid of, and it will bring a lot of honesty into your practice. So try hard to allow mistakes in your practice and allow the room for your employees to embrace that as a positive and say, okay, well, this happened. So what can we learn from it? And how can we change our policies so this doesn't happen again? What I want to encourage you is to let everyone have their little failures and even their epic failures. Allow for that. Allow space for that. Now, when you make a mistake, what I would encourage you to do is not to regret that mistake because regret doesn't help us, doesn't serve us. Beating yourself up, going around and round and regretting the action that you took will slow you down from making the next decision in the line of decisions that you're trying to make. So try not to have any regrets and then accept the reality of what's just happened. When I was fired from my job, I didn't want to accept it at first. I, I couldn't believe it, actually. I was in denial, like, oh my gosh, how could they fire me? I'm so awesome. You know, how could anybody fire me? That's where my brain was at. But you have to accept it at some point. Accept the reality of the mistake that was made and then decide what you want to do with it. Decide what you're going to do with that reality and what do you want that failure to mean in your life. Try to admit all the negatives, but then focus on the positives because from everything, even the really horrible, horrible things that can happen to us, there will come a positive. It may be hard for you to realize at the time, and you may have to go through a period of mourning. It might take you a few days or even a few weeks to get to that point of acceptance. But once you get there, focus on the positives and the lessons that you're supposed to learn. And then really learn your lesson. Really embrace it. Um, when I got fired and I realized it was all on me, it was totally me, 
if I would have backed off on this owner and basically let him practice the way he wanted to practice and moved on to a new practice, I would have never gotten fired. So it was all on me. It was all on the way I handled it. It was all on the way I challenged him and pushed him and continued to try to change him when he was far from wanting to be changed. Um, I thought I was trying to make him a better person, but he didn't want to be a better person. He liked the person that he was. It wasn't my job. So once I accepted that reality and then decided what lessons there were for me, then I was able to embrace it. I was able to take it to my next situation. And first of all, when I was looking for a new job, I was able to look for someone different than that particular person. And then I was also able to realize that once I got into a new practice, that the owners are the owners and I have to do things the way they want to do it because they're the owners. And until I was the owner and I could run the place the way I wanted to run it, I was going to have to conform in some way obviously not morally. You don't want to compromise your morals to work in a practice. And I would never do that again. Um, and I didn't think I was compromising my morals at the time, but just by being there, I think I was a little bit, but I wasn't the one in charge. And so I realized that the owner gets to do what the owner wants. And until I was the owner and I did become the owner at some point, then I got to do it the way I wanted to do it. So that was the lesson that I learned. And that was the lesson that I was able to bring forward into my future endeavors. Life is going to bring us problems. Life is going to bring us failures. And if we are active, pushing forward, trying to make something of ourselves, trying to be the best veterinarian we can be or veterinary professional, if you're a technician or receptionist or whatever your job is, if you're trying to be the best you can be, that's going to take action. And taking action comes with risks. And risks can lead to failures, whether they're small failures or epic failures. That is going to happen. And so you have to be willing to experience failure in order to take action and become all that you're meant to be in this wonderful profession of ours. You're going to have more luck the more you try. So my lesson for you today, friends, is not to be afraid of making a mistake, not to be afraid. Do your due diligence, study what you need to study, but don't be paralyzed in trying to make perfect decisions. Don't hold yourself back because you're afraid of failure, especially in your big, beautiful life. Don't hold yourself back. Don't be afraid of failure because with failure comes lessons and with failure and lessons comes success. It, be, it comes with learning. It, it results in doing things right and accomplishing things and doing things better today than you did yesterday because all the failures of yesterday are turned into lessons that you can use today. I'd like to talk about this subject again at some point. I really think that making mistakes and failing failing is something that we all really fear in this profession because we're super we're super hung up on being perfectionists. But I really want us to embrace the epic failure that I experienced 
and think of something in your life that has been maybe not as big of a failure as I experienced. And, but there probably is something that you can think of that you consider a failure in your life that you can write down all the bad things that you felt around it and then maybe make a list of the things that you think you can learn from it and you have learned from it and move forward with those things. And then if the next step brings you to a small failure, you're going to be that much quicker to realize what that little failure has to teach you. Most people let go and don't accomplish their dreams because they're afraid of failing. I don't want that to be you or me. I want us to all accomplish our dreams. So my lesson for you is don't fear failure. Don't even fear epic failure because nothing out there is going to hurt you as much as your brain is and beat you up. Nothing out there is going to feel as bad as the pain you put yourself through when you beat yourself up over failure. So don't do it. Accept it. Wrap your brain around it. Um, Embrace it. Remember that those things that you consider failure and that are tough to go through only come out on the other side making you stronger and lead you to being one of those people that accomplishes their big dreams. So we'll talk about this again at some point, but I just want to thank you so much for listening to me today and listening to my story. I hope in some way it touches you. If there's something that you've grieved in the past, some failure of yours, I hope that I can help you get through it. If you want to talk to me about it or you want to share it with me, I'd love to hear about it. So just leave me a message, either um, send me an email, leave me a message um, on my website, and let me know that, um, that you're out there and that you're getting some value from talking about these things. And if you have any questions or concerns about the podcast, let me know. Thank you so much for listening to me today. Don't forget to, if you like what you're hearing and you like what we're talking about here and you think it's valuable, to leave me a five-star review on iTunes. It will help me to get this podcast out to more people. If any of your friends will benefit from this, let them know. I really appreciate all of you out there and I appreciate you listening today and I will have another subject for you next week. Thank you so much. Bye.